0: Welcome to Progressive News Network and our new format. Today's a little bit of an experiment. This is Progressive News Network and the Environmental Justice Report with me, Janine Moloff. We're going to start doing basically both shows in one two-hour segment. Now, that won't happen today. All right, today we're supposed to, again, be on hiatus, but... I felt the need to do a second emergency show. I did take a week off last week. So this is Progressive News Network with me, Janine Moloff, the producer and host. The reason we're doing this, um, nobody got a chance to see the advert. I I made this decision very rapidly. Um, So I published an article in Nation of Change, and it went – it went out there yesterday and the actual headline is hypocrisy abounds as PPP loans to the 1% forgiven yet COVID drugs to be privatized. Now it ran a nation of change. It will run again, uh, in op-ed news and then again in Buzzflash. and this particular show, this article as it will, um, It's an important article because there's some information about the development of these COVID drugs, the vaccines and the antiviral medications that have saved so many lives that a lot of Americans don't know, including the fact that even though Merck and other companies love to take credit for it, the main body of research, contrary to what Big Pharma claims, was actually paid for by taxpayers through grants uh, given under the auspices of the NIH, the National Institute of Health. And you would think, okay, so the taxpayer paid for a lot of it. That means that whatever was created, we should get for either low cost or no cost, correct? Yeah, except for one problem. Back in 1980, and really starting in the late 70s, during the Carter administration, there was a law in 1980 that was signed into effect and it's casually known as the By Dole act, the two and it was named for the two main sponsors, then democratic Senator Birch Bayh and then Republican Senator Bob Dole. And this act basically find our rights away. And we're going to be ta- you're going to hear about it in my article. Um, you know, most of us know if you bought something, if you paid for something, that means you own it. Not according to a lot of intellectual property uh, lawyers, though. And so the, the Buy Dole Act basically gave a permission slip. It said, yeah, a lot of these drugs were actually uh, developed on taxpayer monies through the NIH to a variety of different universities and med schools and so on, but if a corporation comes along and they tweak the formulary a little bit, they can actually apply for a patent monopoly and screw the taxpayers out of the rights. And that's precisely what happened. And Democrats and Republicans equally culpable on this one. So, um, this is our special broadcast. That's the first part. The second part, where I'm actually going to read to you my article. Uh, The second part is going to be a little bit of commentary regarding the speech that President Biden gave the other day where he called out some Republicans to use this term as semi, in air quotes, semi-fascist. Personally, I disagree with President Biden. The GOP of Trump is not semi-fascist. In my opinion, they are full-blown fascists. But we'll get into that in a minute. So the first things first, we're going to go to my article. Okay. It ran a Nation of Change uh, beginning yesterday. It will run again in Op-Ed News and then in BuzzFlash. So here we go. The headline is, Hypocrisy Abounds as PPP Loans to 1% Forgiven While Biden Seeks to Privatize Taxpayer-Subsidized COVID Meds. And the subtitle is, Word is leaked out that the Biden administration is about to enter negotiations with Big Pharma for the express intent of shifting the cost of COVID vaccines and life-saving antiviral medications to the patient. Here we go. The carnage wreaked by COVID left over a million deaths in the U.S. during the first two years. Thanks to miracle medicines such as COVID vaccines, diagnostic tests, and antivirals, the death toll has been greatly reduced access to treatments and vaccines has been afforded to all as the federal government foots the bill to date, but that may change very soon. Word has leaked out that the Biden administration is about to enter negotiations with big pharma for the express intent of shifting the cost of COVID vaccines and life-saving antiviral medications to the patient. Okay. I'm going to stop here for a second. When you actually read this, yourself, you choose to, everything is fully documented and linked up, okay? So, and that word leaked out came from an article in Common Dreams where by Jake Johnson where um, he used information that came out, as I said, the other week from the Wall Street Journal. Back to my article. The Wall Street Journal first reported this story, which, I'm sorry, Kenny Stansel of Common Dreams Expanded. So it's not Jake Johnson, it was Kenny Stansel, my bad. Back to my article. The schedule for talks. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services is scheduled to meet with pharmaceutical manufacturer represent, I'm sorry, let me start again. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services is scheduled to meet with pharmaceutical manufacturer representatives, pharmacies and various state health departments on August 30th to develop a timeline map for this transition, according to the Wall Street Journal. Don O'Connell, Assistant Secretary at HHS Health and Human Services, for preparedness and response, explained the decision. Quote, we've known at some point we'd need to move over into the commercial market, and we're approaching that time now. We don't want to do it by fiat, end quote. And exactly how is this covert negotiation between Big Pharma and the federal government not a mandate forced by fiat? The possibility of such discussions has been dutifully ignored by the corporate press with the sole and extremely ironic exception of the Wall Street Journal. The lack of accountability and transparency regarding this issue is only surpassed again by the utter hypocrisy of the situation regarding the state of systemic economic inequality in the USA, PPP loans to 1% forgiven while COVID drugs to be privatized. While centrist Democrats along with the GOP push yet another corporate giveaway of taxpayer funded vaccines and antivirals, another story broke about PPP loans granted to corporations, millionaires, political office holders, and equally wealthy celebrities. The PPP loans granted to the 1% have been forgiven with no strings attached. Celebs who had PPP loans forgiven, who could afford to pay it back? Tom Brady. NFL king Tom Brady just accepted a 10-year sportscaster contract worth $375 million. His accrued wealth during his NFL career is in excess of $333 million. He received a PPP loan for $960,855 to meet the alleged payroll expenses of a fitness and nutritional supplement company. His PPP loan was forgiven for $972,280, which includes interest. Did Brady actually need this loan? Doubtful, but now the taxpayer is on the hook for this legalized theft. Actress Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon founded the clothing company Draper James LLC. The company received two PPP loans, again, to meet alleged payroll and rent in the amount of $975,472 and $719,222, respectively. Witherspoon's wealth was estimated to be over $400 million, In 2021, according to Forbes, which makes her the world's wealthiest actress, her PPP loans were forgiven for $987,793 and $726,310. This loan forgiveness for the very rich comes at the expense of lower income and middle income Americans. While Reese Witherspoon received rental assistance, Struggling Americans received eviction notices. Once again, hypocrisy is on display and supersized. Those cynics who claim I'm comparing apples and oranges may seek to merely seek to derail the real issue, namely economic inequality. The issue is hypocrisy rooted in systemic corruption, period. PPP loans were allegedly intended to keep small businesses afloat during the worst periods of the pandemic so the average worker could pay their rent and put food on the table it was not appropriated to serve as a wealth creator for the already super wealthy so they could purchase yet another vacation home or yacht it was not appropriated to serve as a taxpayer funded allowance to corporate interests so they could buy back their own stock thus artificially increasing their value And yet that is precisely what several large corporations did as documented by accountable.us. And it is, it is fact checked. Uh, Derek Martin spokesman for the nonprofit accountable.us explained the scam quote, the Trump administration wrote the rules for the PPP program, allowing billions of dollars to go to the well-resourced and well-connected rather than actual small businesses that are struggling to survive this economic crisis. With no transparency or accountability to speak of under this mismanaged program, it's no surprise some large companies may have misused tax dollars to their own benefit. Small businesses and their workers need help and can't afford any more broken promises. Congress should take immediate steps to design a new program that is transparent and will actually benefit the small businesses that need help the most, end quote. Martin's remarks date back to June of 2020, and yet there has been no movement towards reforming this thoroughly corrupt process which has bilked taxpayers for the past two years. The relevance to the subject of proposed privatization of COVID meds is clear. COVID vaccines and antiviral meds were based on taxpayer-funded research, which was given to Big Pharma free of charge. And yet both Republican and Democratic administrations are determined to send more money to the worst welfare queen of all, Big Pharma. Going to take a little drink here for a second. (laughs) COVID antiviral meds and vaccines were created on the public dime. The NIH, our National Institutes of Health, has a long history granting taxpayer money to various universities and medical schools in search of promising treatments for multiple life-threatening diseases, and COVID-19 was no exception. Excuse me. (coughs) Sorry, folks. Back to this. Medical researchers Hussein S. Lahani, Jerry Avam, and Aaron S. Kesselheim published a piece titled, U.S. Taxpayers Heavily Funded the Discovery of COVID-19 Vaccines, and that is as documented by pubmed.ncbi.nih.gov. The authors clearly make the case for retaining government control of the vaccines, which were largely taxpayer-funded. To quote from the report, quote, the National Institutes of Health, NIH, has joint ownership. I'm going to read that again. The National Institute, quote, the National Institutes of Health, or NIH, has joint ownership of the Moderna vaccine patent because of its fundamental role in research and development, starting from the inception of that work and concluding to the present. This includes nearly $6 billion from U.S. public funds, which supported an enormous proportion of the development costs of the Moderna vaccine from bench to bedside, end quote. U.S. taxpayers also subsidized multiple COVID meds. Axios reported in 2021 that American taxpayers subsidized the original development of COVID antiviral Molnupiravir Molnupiravir at Emory University for some $35 million in the the time period 2013 to 2020. Both the National Institutes of Health and the Defense Department share the cost of the early development, the sequence of events. Emory University conducted early-stage testing on Molnupiravir between 2013 to 2020, after which it licensed the drug to Ridgeback Biotherapeutics for human clinical trials. The Trump administration refused to add funding until more data was available. Merck purchased the exclusive rights to the drug from Ridgeback, with both companies ignoring the contribution of taxpayer subsidies and subsequent patent rights. Knowledge Ecology International exposed Ridgeback's misinformation. Lewis Gill Abenader, a researcher at Knowledge Ecology International, studies intellectual property rights and explained the situation concisely. Though the Trump administration refused to grant additional funding to Malnue Piravir's creation, the major patent applications for the drug cite federal funding as part of the development process, which means that quote. The U.S. government co-owns Molnupiravir and has rights to demand availability at a reasonable price, end quote, as documented by www.keiononline.org. You can see it yourself. Back to the article. Ridgeback co-founder Wendy Holman claimed in a recent interview that her company, quote, never got government funding, end quote, which referred to manufacturing subsidies. Holman went on to claim that, quote, since licensed by Ridgeback, all funds used for the development of Molnupiravir have been provided by Merck and Wayne and Wendy Holman of Ridgeback, end quote. Her claim neglects the fact that Emory University spent six years researching the drug, again, using taxpayer funding. In fact, Emory received four taxpayer-subsidized contracts, which totaled some $29,517,489 at the time they were awarded. Besides those four contracts, Emory scientist George Painter and his colleagues at the Emory Institute for Drug Development led the early research. Painter estimates that federal agencies invested some $35 million to research the drug between 2013 to 2020. Excuse me. (coughs) Take another little drink, folks. My usual respiratory stuff. Back to the article. The U.S. government has rights as patent owners of malnupiravir. Emory University was the major recipient of federal taxpayer funds which subsidized research and development of malnupiravir, and published five U.S. applications directed to derivatives of a substance called n 4 hydroxycytidine, I think I said that right, which is the parent compound to Molnupiravir. George Painter is listed as one of the co-inventors of these applications. To quote from Knowledge Ecology International, quote, the Painter et al. applications disclose compound formulas, manufacturing processes, and methods of using certain N4 hydroxycytidine derivatives to treat diseases. One of the painter et al applications specifically discloses molnupiravir in one of the claims. That patent application also claims methods of treating, quote, a human coronavirus infection, end quote, using molnupiravir. Another application, 22, sorry, another application, two o two one o two five two o three three, discloses methods of using molnupiravir to treat. SARS-CoV-2 specifically. That application, first filed in February 2020, is still pending. The report from Knowledge Ecology International goes further and makes the case for government ownership of Molnupiravir. The report references Table 1 where government funding is acknowledged, quote, either at the time of filing or via a subsequent amendment, end quote. To quote further, quote, Specifically, each of the Painter et al. applications acknowledge one or several of the contracts awarded by the DTRA and the NIAID." The The NIAID is the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and DTRA is the Defense Threat Reduction Agency. The report concluded that, quote, on May 18, 2020, Emory executed respective confirmatory licenses to the DTRA and the NIAID, stating that the compounds and methods claimed in the 2020-027-6219 application are subject inventions under 35 USES SEC, the legal provisions pertaining to the Bayh-Dole Act, end quote. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and that's also key on online. The report concluded that, quote, the U.S. government co-owns Molnupiravir and has rights to demand availability at a reasonable price, end quote. So despite the fact that Merck purchased exclusive rights to manufacture and sell the drug globally from Ridgeback Bio, the U.S. government still retains ownership rights to this life-saving drug. Yet the Biden administration is planning talks to privatize drugs that the taxpayers substantially funded, taxpayer-funded antivirals save lives of older patients. (coughs) Sorry, folks. The Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy, based at the universe, I'll start that again, taxpayer-funded antivirals save lives of older patients, the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy based at the University of Minnesota, just published a report on the efficacy of two COVID antivirals, namely Paxlovid and Molnupiravir, particularly in relation to the Omicron variant, which is proven to be vaccine-resistant. A recent report published in the New England Journal of Medicine demonstrated clinical evidence that rapid administration of either drug reduced the incidence of serious illness or death in patients 60 years old and over. So what harm could there be in privatizing these antivirals and vaccines? Upon closer examination, quite a bit. Price gouging by Big Pharma constitutes a death sentence. Sharon Lerner from The Intercept reported in October of 2021 on the price gouging of Molnupiravir by Merck. According to a Harvard report obtained by Lerner, this drug cost $17.74 to provide for an estimated five-day course of treatment. I'm going to say that again. According to a Harvard report obtained by Lerner, this drug costs $17.74 to produce for an estimated five-day course of treatment, yet Merck charges the U.S. taxpayer $712 for the same dosage. That markup is approximately 40 times Merck's actual production cost. The report titled, Estimated Cost-Based Generic Prices for the Treatment of COVID-19 Infection, infection, authored by by Melissa J. Barber and Zintar's Gotham, was commissioned by the Harvard School of Public Health and King's College Hospital in London. And you can find that at The Intercept or on my article. You can click to access. So I'm going to stop here for a second from the actual article. Molnupir is here cost Merck $17.74 to produce a five-day course of treatment. But Merck has been charging the taxpayer, the government, $712 for the same five-day dosage. Just want that to sink in. Back to the article. Excuse me. Since antivirals like Paxlovid and Molnupiravir were approved on an emergency basis, it is likely that insurance companies and Medicare will not approve payment for these soon-to-be privatized medications in the future. The average American cannot afford over $700 for a 5-day supply of pills. Some Medicare recipients live off less than $1500 per month. A single course of treatment would then amount to 50 percent of their monthly income the vaccines and antivirals like molnupiravir were created on the backs of taxpayers yet these same drugs will be out of reach if privatized adding insult to injury or rather insult to fatal injury furthermore if you multiply the cost for several family members to receive the treatment you have an impossible choice namely who lives and who dies Biden administration did plead for more money. In all fairness, the White House issued a fact sheet March 15, 2022, pleading with Congress to allocate more money for COVID vaccines and treatments. (coughs) Excuse me, folks. (coughs) The fact sheet listed the consequences if funding needs were not met, which includes the following inability to secure sufficient booster doses, and variant-specific vaccines. Providers no longer able to submit claims for testing, treating, and vaccinating the uninsured. Ending the purchase of monoclonal antibody treatments, scaling back state-territory allegations. Halting critical testing vaccine treatment efforts. Scaling back planned purchases of preventive treatments for immunocompromised reducing ability to rapidly identify and assess emerging variants, damage to global vaccination and COVID-19 treatment efforts, end quote. The fact sheet also states that, quote, the administration is requesting that Congress provides authority to ensure seamless access to Medicare and insurance coverage coverage treatments uh, under an emergency use authorization, end quote. At this point, it seems like the Biden administration was attempting to remedy the situation with more funding, but conveniently forgot about the 1980 law, which is responsible for the present state of affairs that allows pharmaceutical companies to profit from drugs which were partially funded by taxpayers, namely the Bayh-Dole Act of 1980. Now we're going to get into it. I'm take a little drink here. Bayh-Dole Act and Section 202. The Bayh-Dole Act passed in 1980, quote, permits the ownership of patents resulting from federally funded research to remain with the inventors and their employers, end quote. To quote further, Government, quote, government research grantees and their institutions now earn billions from royalties and equity interests that result in the sale or exclusive licensing of these patents, end quote. And the source was Watanabe T. UCLA UCLA will get hundreds of millions for rights to prostate cancer drug, ran in the LA Times in March of 2016. Uh, I want to go back here for a second. Ah, bad allergy day. I want to go back to the beginning of this. Though, keep in mind that the Bayh-Dole Act quote permits the ownership of patents resulting from federally funded research to remain with the inventors and their employers. End quote. You know, norm, and I'm. This is not from the article. It's just me. Normally, when let's say you work for. A pharmaceutical company and you invent a med, you don't get to keep the exclusive patent rights because your employer paid for the research. They keep it. It's no different than when the taxpayer pays for the research. But the Biden Act signed away our rights. And as I said earlier, both Republicans and Democrats alike were equally culpable. So let's get back <coughs> to the article. <coughs> Sorry about coughing and you all ear okay to date back to the article to date the u.s government spends in excess of 30 billion with a b annually funding biomedical research with taxpayer subsidies the lack of equity in return investment to the taxpayer is appalling in any other economic arena such a giveaway would represent premeditated fraud If not for the technically legal cover (in air quotes), the Buy-Dole Act supplies. Frankly, this is a law that restrains the rights of taxpayers to demand some modicum of accountability and a reasonable return on investment. To borrow a trite phrase, it should never—it sorry—to borrow a trite phrase, it never should have seen the light of day. This law would deny taxpayers any return on research investment, but there is a subsection which remedies this foul law, namely Section 202. Section 202 could restore accountability to taxpayers. According to authors Alfred B. Engelberg and Aaron S. Kesselheim, quote, Section 202 requires research grantees that obtain patents claiming federally funded inventions to – let me start again. According to authors Alfred D. Engelberg and Aaron S. Kesselheim, quote, Section 202 requires research grantees that obtain patents claiming federally funded inventions to confer a non-exclusive royalty-free license back to the U.S. government, which permits the government to practice the invention or have it practiced on the government's behalf. Okay, I'm going to read that again. That's an awkward sentence. So, quote, Section 202 requires research grantees that obtain patents claiming federally funded inventions to confer a non-exclusive royalty-free license back to the U.S. government, which permits the government to practice the invention or have it practiced on the government's behalf, end quote. In fact, and I'm going to deviate from the article right now, what that's basically saying is that, yeah, the government should be able to get this, that same uh, invention they funded at relatively low cost. Back to the article. In fact, former U.S. Senator Birch Bayh defended this aspect of the law that bears his name, claiming that this section grants the government the right to, quote, use for itself and the public good inventions arising out of research that the federal government helps to support, end quote. Okay? And that's according to bayh Using Section 202 could also benefit government-funded health care, such as Medicare and Medicaid. To date... This provision has not been used by the federal government. The reason may lie with the fact that pharmaceutical companies often obtain additional patents during development into FDA-approved drugs and never acknowledge taxpayer funding for the drug's origins. Unfortunately, Section 202 does not cover this type of privately funded patent. It is often unclear which money is paid for research when pharmaceutical companies are not forced to disclose the public money funding a drug's origins. And that's as documented by, again, by DoleCentral.com. So basically, Section 202, and I'm deviating from the article, Section 202 is allegedly supposed to protect the taxpayer, but it's written so vaguely with no benchmarks, no criterion, that it's virtually impossible to implement. And you cannot tell me that Senators Birch and Dole, I know Dole was an attorney, for instance, that they didn't know this when they wrote this this alleged protection into the law. Okay? It, it's basically the, um, lit, the um, I would say the, the, Political equivalent of saying, "Hmm, you're gonna you're gonna have sex, you're gonna use a like, you're, you're gonna use rubber, but you made sure there were a lot of holes in the tip. That means it's not gonna work." So, pardon me for the crude uh, comparison, but it's apt. Back to the article. The ramifications of Section 202 are obvious regarding COVID vaccines and antivirals. So why is the Biden administration willing to enter negotiations aimed at privatizing these life-saving drugs? Again, away from the article. Um, It could protect us. It's not great protection, but the government's never tried. Back to the article, quote, Apparently, elderly, medically compromised, and low-income Americans are considered acceptable collateral damage in the COVID pharmaceutical war. The fact these drugs would likely not exist had it not been for extensive taxpayer funding remains politically irrelevant. The Bayh-Dole Act, Act of 1980 needs serious revision in order to safeguard ta- taxpayer investments in pharmaceutical development, but that's only part of the equation. The hypocrisy of both parties is on obscene display, as the rich and famous have PPP loans forgiven, though they can more than afford to pay the debt, while taxpayer-funded research that resulted in COVID drugs are on the privatization chopping black. Or perhaps a quote from French moralist François de la roche would be more descriptive of this political Gordian knot. He wrote in his book titled Reflections on... Reflections or Moral, sorry, he wrote in his book titled Reflections or Sentences and Moral Maxims that, quote, hypocrisy is a tribute that vice pays to virtue, end quote. His tome, first published in 1665, remains relevant in the 21st century as politicians, corporate oligarchs, and wealthy celebrities wallow in a swamp of that very tribute in the age of covid or as I prefer to say, hey, Reese. And that was my article. I hope you learned something from it. <clears throat> so this is what's really happening here. All right. And I'm gonna be talking about this more on the whole um I'm sorry, on the whole idea of uh what's happened to our pharmaceutical industry. I'm going to, I'm actually working on an article right now, um, about the Bayh-Dole Act and what needs to happen. Um, and I'll apprise my audience of it once it's done and published. Uh, a lot of this is going in a book that I'm working on right now. Uh, and I think that people need to know this. I mean, the Bayh-Dole Act really permitted, um, big pharma to take to use taxpayer funded research and then still claim exclusive patent rights a patent monopoly on drugs that were developed with taxpayer funding all right that's basically saying we paid for it but we don't we don't own it and this was signed off in 1980. Both Democrats and Republicans signed off on it. They are equally equally culpable, and it has to stop. So if you're ever wondering why drugs, even simple drugs, cost so much nowadays, it traces back to that Bidole Act of 1980. Make no mistake about it. All right. So now we're on our, sep- our second part of the show. <coughs> Excuse me, folks. <coughs> and this piece deals with the speech that President Biden gave the other day, excuse me, folks, where he called some Republicans, not all, some, quote, semi fascist okay? And I said at the beginning of the program, I disagree with the president, the GOP of Trump that has embraced MAGA has embraced the racism of MAGA, the religious bigotry of MAGA, cuz lord help you if you're not a Christian. Um, the bigger the LGBTQ bigotry of MAGA, um, the anti-feminist message of MAGA. They are not semi-fascist. That's unfair. They're full-blown fascist. Now keep in mind when people say fascists in this country, they immediately think about Stalin or Hitler. But in political science, the actual definition of fascism means government by corporate rule, which we've had technically under with both parties cooperating. Let's be honest about it. That being said, I'm glad the President Biden called out the GOP. It's not just the MAGA morons and the Proud Boys that have committed extreme acts of violence that are the problem. It's also the so-called nice Trumpers who remained silent, who tolerated it. They enabled the worst excesses of Trumpism. Make no mistake about it. And to not include them in the bunch is ludicrous. That would be like saying, Hmm, you saw your neighbor, who's a pyromaniac, light somebody's house on fire, and you did nothing. You stood there and watched. Let's get it straight. So we've got our primary whiner-in-chief, Kevin McCarthy, who basically thinks he's supposed to become the next Speaker of the House. And Now, keep in mind, on January 6th, the morons were going after... Mike Pence are going after McCarthy as well as Pelosi and others. But, you know, these people have no shame. So there was a piece uh, written uh, in CNN, and it was written by, uh, just the other day, September 1st, by Daniela Diaz and Jessica Dean. The headline is McCarthy calls on Biden to apologize after semi fascism remark. And some of the absolutely ridiculous things that kevin mccarthy said uh... according to mccarthy he was quoted as saying quote president biden has chosen to divide demean and disparage his fellow americans why simply because they disagree with his policies that is not leadership when the president speaks tonight at independence hall his the first lines out of his mouth should be to apologize for slandering tens of millions of americans as fascists end quote I don't know what speech Mr. McCarthy heard, but what about, I mean, you want to do this what about game? From the minute Donald Trump came down that gaudy golden, um, uh, gaudy golden staircase, that, that escalator. Yeah, let me start again. From the second, the moment that Donald Trump came down that gaudy golden escalator. It became open season on anyone who wasn't, I won't say fascist, who wasn't racist or neo-Nazi enough. That Trump and his minions have routinely slandered, libeled, and defamed communities of color, religious minorities, in other words, anyone who's not Christian, women who dare, dare to say they should have the same rights as anyone else, feminist, in other words, the LGBTQ community, and so on. But this is the problem with white Christian male fragility. It's not just white. It's white Christian, okay? Because these are the people that believe in white Jesus. You know, their version of reality, and I'm not disparaging Christians necessarily, although I'm getting tired of having the Molly them I'll tell you that. You know, they can insult, whether directly or indirectly, by saying they pray for us, People of other religions are atheists or agnostics, but we can't we can't criticize them, which is nonsense. These are the people that believe in white Jesus. Okay, their version of Jesus, he's on a battle horse with battle armor, um, and he he looks like you know the guy that plays blonde, blue eyed, straight hair looks like the guy that played Thor in the movie. Except, forget the fact that historically speaking. Jesus probably looked more like Colin Kaepernick. He was not a white man. Couldn't have been. But for their historic revisionism, no. And these people have been routinely slandering us. They've been calling out uh, immigrants of color as vermin. You know, you can take it. But the insults that the MAGA groups have dished out and what Trump has dish out comes straight from Adolf Hitler's talking points. And, yes, I do the documentation. Okay? So if McCarthy to whine like this, it's ludicrous, all right? You know, what Biden said is that, quote, we're seeing now is either the beginning or the death knell of an extreme MAGA philosophy, end quote. All right? Uh, in his speech, President Biden said it's not just Trump. It's the entire philosophy that underpins the I'm going to say something, it's like semi-fascism, end quote. Honestly, it's far worse than that. It just is. Remember, you're listening to the woman that when Trump was first nominated as the 2016 candidate, after he had pushed out a lot of memes that were clearly borrowed from neo nazism I painted on my garage door, Trump is Nazi scum. I knew that some of the neighbors at the time in the neighborhood, if I'd put a sign, they would have just destroyed the sign. So I was challenging them because if they were stupid enough to try and um, try and damage my garage door, then I could have them arrested. Of course, they called the police on me, and the officer came, and he told me, "It's got to come down now." And I said, "No." He said it again. And I, he said he quoted an anti-graffiti um, law in my little community i asked him i said and i know this is off the story a little bit how is this graffiti if it's on my own property and i did it myself couldn't answer he just insisted it had to come down no right now within the hour and he was in my face and i just very calmly stood there and said no i just told him you may as well just write up that citation off the in court well he didn't want to do that because the objective was to terrorize me and bully me into submission, which clearly didn't work. And then I went to the media, and then by the time they got to the city attorney, they had to say, no, they're going to let me keep it up. It's my right. Well, it wasn't for them to allow or disallow. It was my First Amendment right and my right to property, period. And then I got death threats. And what was originally going to just be up for maybe the week of the Republican Convention because bullying that I received, it stayed up for two long years. Even I was tired of looking at it. But I was not going to back down. So for Kevin McCarthy to make this nonsensical claim, he's just full of it. Okay. Um, you know, again, they're trying to claim that the DOJ search warrant that was employed at Mar-a-Lago was some sort of illegal raid. It wasn't. Donald Trump and his people took records they shouldn't have had, that shouldn't have been removed. They were top secret. Some were beyond top secret. They were not adequately stored. They had been subpoenaed multiple times. They had refused to answer the subpoenas. If you or I refused to answer a subpoena, not only would there have been a search warrant to go get what the court was demanding, but we would have been hauled in front of the judge and put in custody for um, not only obstruction, but for contempt of court. That's all. That's a fact. And, and, you know, again, this is an example of the whining that basically Republicans, you know, these whiners, they, they just, they can dish it out, but they can't take it even the slightest bit. You know, this is projection writ large, psychologically speaking. And, you know, it's clear that Kevin McCarthy doesn't understand what fascism is. Now, Naomi Wolf has written quite a bit on it, author Naomi Wolf, and she has um, 10 steps that she claims are um, basically you know, basically what she called an article in The Guardian, Fascist America and Ten Easy Steps. That was written back in 07, but here are the ten steps that she claims. One, invoke a terrifying internal and external enemy. Okay, well, Donald Trump has definitely done that. Okay, he has claimed that uh, migrants of color... Communities of color, religious minorities, feminists, we're all the enemy. We're you know, we are basically destroying the way of life of white Christians where the man is the head of the household. Period. Number two, create a gulag. Well, you don't have to look any further than the border prisons for children where they were out in desert heat under horrible conditions. Barely fed. There you go. And their crime, they were migrants. You can say, well, they were illegal. They were undocumented. Okay? Number three, develop a thug cast. You don't have to look any further than the three percenters, the proud boys, and so on and so forth. Number four, set up an internal surveillance system. I see both parties doing that, okay? Um, The security business has grown in leaps and bounds and it's outrageous. Number five, harass citizens groups. Well, contrary to what Kevin McCarthy says, our um, commentary spokes, um, our, our radio spokesperson, Mark Levin, it's not MAGA people that are being harassed, progressives that are being harassed. It's communities of color that have always been harassed. I mean, the fact is, no proud boy who is a white Christian male has ever had to fear a police officer approaching them, pounding on them, possibly killing them just because they exist. Never. Number six, engage in arbitrary detention and release. Communities of color especially the black community, knows as well. Okay? This has been going on since the beginning of the Republic. You know, people forget the earliest uh, police departments were actually slave catchers. And then it's just morphed from there. Number seven, target key individuals. This has happened from both parties, truth be told. It has. You know, they, they target, for the most part, progressives. Conservative, these MAGA people love to claim that they're the ones being persecuted because the law is actually demanding that they actually comply with the law, okay? The same law they impose on everyone else. This this is about white Christian male privilege writ large, supersized on steroids. Make no mistake about it. Um, but they do target key individuals, you know. Whether it's Dr. Martin Luther King or Fred Hampton, whether it is um, prominent progressives, now it makes no difference. Number eight, control the press. Well, that's been achieved. You know, the mainstream press is corporate owned. They just—it just is. You know, today on Face the Nation, um, they had a substitute there for Margaret Brennan. I forget the man's name, and he's interviewing. Uh, Democratic Representative Jamie Raskin, who's on the January 6th committee. And they're asking about, you know, the warrant served at Mar-a-Lago. And Raskin is calmly explaining to this man, look, they disobeyed several subpoenas, so yeah, of course, DOJ got a search warrant. What's your problem? And the Face the Nation moderator um, Just kept asking the same question like you didn't hear it. Ridiculous. Number nine, dissent equals treason. That's big MAGA. All right? You will never hear Bernie Sanders say that or push that. That's come straight from MAGA. And the previous administration of alleged compassionate conservatism under George W. Bush and number 10, suspend the rule of law. Again, we saw that after 9-11. You know, we saw uh, George W. Bush's DOJ under John Yoo write excuses to technically legalize torture, even though the Eighth Amendment clearly says no cruel and unusual punishment. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, but cruel and unusual punishment, torture seems to fit the bill if you ask me. And then... You know, on top of all this, you have like radio commentator Mark Levin, who I'm ashamed to say is a fellow Jew. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what his issue is, but he's he's an idiot. He's a lawyer, but he's an idiot. In my opinion, he claimed Biden's comments were genocidal. Now, Mr. Levin, what I feel like telling Mr. Levin is if you want to play the Holocaust Jew card, I can do the same thing because I lost family there, too. And what President Biden said was hardly genocidal. And I'm not a fan of President Biden's. I was a burner. I wanted Bernie. Joe Biden is corporate. But what he said was not genocidal. You know, Mr. Levin, you need to tell the truth. But that's what we're dealing with these days. You know, that's it. We have dealt with... what, is it six years now, of routine slander, libel, and defamation of Democrats, progressives, communities of color, religious minorities, in other words, anyone not Christian, feminists, the LGBT community, and anyone daring to criticize Trump. Just constant. But apparently Mr. McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, did not hear that. I know I heard it. I remember Donald Trump comparing migrants of color to vermin. Straight from the Adolf Hitler playbook. But, you know, once again, my own home senators here in Missouri that I'm ashamed of. You know, we've got an idiot like Josh Hawley, you know, who did the positive fist bump on January 6th. He should be fully investigated. And then we've got Roy Blunt who's retiring, who's far sneakier. You know, he's still Roy Blunt is still not sure if Trump broke the law when he took those top secret documents with Mar a Lago. Keep in mind, the Presidential Records Act says that those records don't belong to any past president. They belong to the US government. Trump broke the law. And the you know, and it's not just what's kept at Mar a Lago. Everybody's focusing on these papers, but who's to say that copies weren't made? Who's to say there aren't more documents elsewhere on other Trump properties with Trump loyalists or um, even his grown kids? You don't know. You have to assume that there have been copies made. Why would Trump take it? Well, in my opinion... Donald Trump thinks like a mob boss, like La Famia, And that was his insurance policy. I think Donald Trump views those records as, one, his get-out-of-jail-free card, in my opinion. And two, I think that if he wanted money, he would be fine selling them, again, in my opinion. That's what I think happened. The national security risk as far as I'm concerned, is probably incalculable. And if the Republican leadership, including Roy Blunt, had even a scintilla of professional integrity, they would be working with the January 6th committee and saying, look, not just the January 6th committee, they would be demanding and working with DOJ to find out how much damage has been done to our national security, I suspect quite a bit. Like I said, incalculable. Mr. McCarthy just apparently is making an excuse and he's saying that, you know, any criticism is somehow slandering MAGA. Even the slogan MAGA, Make American Great Again, was derived from an old Nazi slogan. Where's the confusion, Mr. McCarthy? Seriously. Um, And that's what we're dealing with these days. It just is, and it's disgusting. Um, it just is. Donald Trump broke the law. He broke several laws. He and his cohorts must be brought to justice. And one of the things people forget about is Mr. Mr. McCarthy wants to whine so much about how President Biden's you know, saying things that are genocidal or just wrong. Donald Trump, in my opinion, is not intelligent enough to know what records to take. He had to have had help. He had to have had a lot of help from people in those national security departments who had intimate knowledge of these type of records. There must be a full investigation. Just has to happen. This not only endangers our intelligence professionals and the general population, it endangers those of our loved ones that are serving in the armed forces. There's no guesswork here. And yet we have Kevin McCarthy whining on you know, as basically white Christian males who believe their their privilege is God given. The minute you challenge them on anything, this is what they whine. Just they don't believe in democracy. They despise it. It's really that simple. And unfortunately, President Biden wants to believe that these were his colleagues and they're good guys. Instead of seeing what they have wrought on the rest of us. And this has got to change. It just does. So that's our show for today. Today. Um, I hope you learned something from it. I can tell you we will be roaring back next week. This was an emergency broadcast. We will be roaring back next week with our new format, which is one hour of Progressive News Network and the second hour the Environmental Justice Report. We're going to combine the two. I'm going to try and see how that works. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something from it. Um, you can find my article in Nation of Change right now. It, again, it will be published, again, in Op-Ed News and then in BuzzFlash. And I will keep you all apprised. Um, you know, so much for my hiatus. I did get one week off, nothing else. Anyway, with that I say good day and God bless us because we're going to really need it.